Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the A Better HR Business podcast. I'm joined today by two high performers, Anna Hemmings and Daryl Stickland. Anna and Daryl run two different but complementary HR-related businesses, and they've joined forces to offer something special to business executives in the UK and beyond. Daryl of CNA International Executive Search is an experienced headhunter based in London who has recruited for all key business functions across most industries from tech to pharma and even through to professional sport. Anna Hemmings is a two-time Olympian, six times world champion and an MBE. She is Britain's most successful ever female kayaker. Since retiring from sport, Anna founded high-performance training consultancy Beyond the Barriers, an organisation that is dedicated to helping individuals and teams perform at their best. Anna and Daryl, thanks very much for joining me today. Hi, Ben. Thank Morning, you. Ben. Pleasure. Thanks You're for welcome. being here. Good. Anna, I know we've got all these marketing and business growth questions to discuss, but I have to ask, what was it like to win six world championships and be part of the Olympic Games? They must have been amazing experiences. Yeah, well, that was, that was my former life before um, entering into the corporate world. And, you know, ever since I was a little girl, I, I watched the Olympic Games when I was about eight years old and, and it, you know, it planted a seed in my mind. And from, from that day on, I wanted to be, be on that Olympic Games. And, and so to then, you know, make that dream come true was just incredible. You know, there's so much history, so much drama and excitement that, that comes with the Olympic Games. And, you know, if you've watched it, I'm sure most people have. It's yeah. just that multi-sport event, you know, it's so unique. And and to go out there to represent your country, you know, be in that opening ceremony, march with the team in front of 100,000 people in a stadium and, and then to compete is just, yeah, it, it's incredible. And... And then, you know, winning the world championships for the first time, it's what I dreamt of when I, when I chose kayaking as my sport and, and realized that I could be good at this. And, you, you know, I was lucky I was at a club where I had some brilliant athletes and they were other athletes who were coming home from the world championships, some of them winning medals. And you think, actually, if they can do it, then so can I. And then, so then when I realized that was achievable, um, yeah, you put so much hard work in. And when you realize that, that that dream it's um yeah it's it's difficult to describe with words you know it's it's just uh so much such a great sense of achievement and satisfaction when it, when it finally happens and all that hard work's paid off excellent well it naturally feeds into some of the stuff we're going to talk about today so do you want to start by telling us a little bit about your respective backgrounds and how you got into your fields yeah shall i shall you I, go ahead yeah yeah, oh, shall I go? You, so, yeah. um well, so as we just discussed, my background <laughs> is in the in the world of sport, um, and so you know I spent twenty years uh, competing at the highest level as a junior in the Great Britain team, and then on, as a senior um, on the Great Britain team. And I competed at two Olympic Games and and multiple World Championships, European Championships, and then I retired from sport uh, ten years ago now, and. You know, it's tough when you retire as an athlete. It, you've spent dedicated your life to that single thing, and when and go, what do I do now? You know, I'm I'm thirty, I'm in my early thirties, and most people are established in their career and and you know working their way up the ladder, and you're potentially starting at the bottom. 
Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, I just you had to think, well, what, what do I, what do I do? What, what, what experience have I got? What knowledge have I got? What can I bring? And I have a wealth of experience in the world of high performance. And as an athlete, I did a lot of keynote speaking already. I, you know, but since I won my first world championships, my sponsors were asking me to do keynote speeches for their clients. And so that was something that I did. So drawing on those lessons between sport and business was something I was becoming accustomed to. So when I retired, it, it, kind of made sense that I should you know be inspired by my experience in sport and and I founded this company called Beyond the Barriers um, and and our mission really was to, to help individuals and teams to perform at their best and you know take equipping people with practical strategies and tools to help them break down their own barriers and and achieve performance the high performance um, so I got together a team of Olympic athletes performance psychologists well-being professionals and, and we share our personal experiences and that's a big part of what we do is is taking those real life experiences and combining it with cutting edge scientific research and theory and and those two together um, providing some really excellent strategies and tools to help people fulfill potential and ultimately for organizations to stay ahead of their competition. It's about helping people learning and development, it's about leadership training. We're actually quite an unusual consultancy because we um, we cover leadership training as well as well-being. Um, coming from a background in sport, I really appreciate that you you can't be a high-performing athlete, leader, whatever that might be, without taking care of your well-being. So we do both, um, and we do everything from working with you know speaking to an audience of a thousand through to working with a small team of eight to ten or one to one coaching, working with individuals, and and I love that variety. But it's all about the same thing: fulfilling potential. I love it, Daryl. What about you? Well, how do you follow that? Um, <laughs> the, the, the talent that Anna and, and her team have got, um, it's, it's, it's seriously impressive. And, and I suppose my, my world is all about talent. But um, I wasn't always in recruitment. I moved into recruitment 16 or so years ago, um, having previously uh, held international finance business partners roles in um, the European head office of Timbaland, which is obviously a, a global brand in yeah. footwear and apparel and, and so on. Um, and that was completely different to, to working in recruitment. But um, the, the crucial thing is I, I understood finance and uh, I was headhunted by a Michael Page spin-off um, that had been growing pretty rapidly. And um, they had a training scheme uh, to develop professionals from other other fields, so finance in my case. Um, and that was really exciting to me because it, it, it meant that I could combine my knowledge of finance and accounting um, with uh, a, a fascination for HR. Um, so that was my, my sort of first start into, into the world of recruitment, nice. the wonderful world that it is. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I guess you know, I developed into it pretty quickly um, and uh, got headhunted a, a few times and uh, managed recruitment teams in, in finance and HR for some pretty big established recruitment brands like Hudson and, and Robert Waters um, before I eventually got an opportunity to, to focus solely on hiring executives. And that was back in 2008. Um, then over the next sort of coming six years or so, I recruited quite a mix of senior roles from C-suite, uh, minus one and sometimes minus two across, as you said earlier, um, in a range of industries, 
yeah. operating as a generalist. Um, but also during that time, I, I learned a bit about interim management solutions, um, helping clients recruit interims as well, which was which was a bit different. Then uh, then I got an opportunity in 2010 to develop a non-executive practice here in the UK um, and to, to then help some of our international partners at the time to, to look at doing that for themselves as well. I found that hugely rewarding. Um, the world of uh, the non-executives, um, chairman and, and directors, is it's incredible the amount of um, knowledge they have and what they can bring to businesses. So that was a huge, huge learning opportunity for me, which I really enjoyed. But then more recently, uh, for the last five and a half years, I've been a, a senior partner with CNA and um, they're a subsidiary of the Pertemps Network Group, which is a company backed by private equity firm LDC. Um, and uh, I've, I've remained a generalist, helping clients attract executives uh, for business critical positions. Again, typically at C-suite um, and, and minus one. Um, and during that time, I've I've become a member of the board at CNA and um, continued to develop my expertise in executive search, which is which is great. Fantastic! It's all a little bit meta, though. The headhunter being headhunted several times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is great. Uh, and so I suppose it gives you a bit of an insight yeah. into what it feels like to be approached out of the blue. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely help you in your role. Guys, maybe Daryl, if I stay with you, then can you tell me about who your ideal clients are? Because I find it's very important for a business to understand who they're aiming at because that helps in marketing and business growth. And also it helps for other people and businesses to refer business back to you. So who are your ideal clients? Yeah, um, these days I, I like to work with company leaders and HR directors who um, recognize the value of a, a personal high quality service for themselves and, and the candidates that are going to go through the process and can see the benefit of executive coaching um, uh, and, and how that can reflect really positively on their business. Um, so, that, so that's the fundamental. Um, you know, at the end of the day, our investment in every mandate is, is substantial. So, so commitment is also important to me. Um, and then I guess beyond that, shared values, um, and even better if they're they're passionate about the power and value of sport as well. So that that that's the key for me. Um, it's all about how we're going to work together, um, and and can I add value? Yeah, that makes sense. And what about you? Who would be your ideal clients? So really, we work with organisations and individuals across many different industries, and it's really about organisations and individuals who want to improve performance, who've got a real thirst for learning and, and growing and, and developing themselves. So when we work with, whether it be the HR directors or learning development teams, it's about you know, ideally, it's, you know, I love working with those people who, who are committed um, to, that, to that growth and that development and, and want, really want to put programs in place where they want to work with us to develop something. We love working with people where we can create something bespoke. Um, we, just, we don't tend to do off-the-shelf stuff. It's just, you know, what, what are your challenges and how can we help you? And, and people who want to work with us together to build something, that's great. Um, and as I said, you know, it doesn't really matter what the industry is. We work with, you know, our clients have come from... Uh, 
from retail through to banking, from RBS through to national grid. You know, it, it, whether, yeah. if you're trying to improve leadership skills, it doesn't matter whether you're in finance or telecoms. Um, you know, you, you, you've still got that still a need or whether you're developing resilience, it doesn't matter. Um, UK Power Networks, we're doing energy management with them. It's, you know, it doesn't matter what the industry is. The principles are the same. And, and obviously a big part of what we do is about taking those lessons from sport and, and actually, you know, if people love sport, that's even better, but it, but they don't have to because everyone gets that principle and gets the analogy and they understand sport, even if they don't play it. So they understand where we're coming from and, and that brings a huge amount of credibility. So yeah, really people who want to learn and develop. That makes sense. So, Anna, what drew you to executive coaching? Well, as an athlete, I obviously worked with coaches uh, in the world of sport for over yeah. 20 years. So I, I absolutely know about the powerful impact of a great coach. And I certainly couldn't have achieved my success without excellent coaches. And, and in fact, there'll be very few athletes who've, who've reached the highest level without a coach. So, you know, I figured that it's the same in business. I'm in the field of helping people to fulfill their potential to achieve high performance so going into the world of executive coaching seemed like a really natural thing for me to do but interestingly when I first looked into executive coaching I was surprised that not more organizations were providing coaches for their best what I call corporate athletes and of course it's a it's a big investment of time and money but in my mind why wouldn't you invest in we're talking about your key players if we're talking about you know the champions of your team um those are the people who are going to drive growth and business so for me it just makes sense and it, and it is becoming something that's getting more and more popular at the moment um so i you know i as i said earlier i work with groups with large audiences but the one-to-one -one is is really special because that really allows you to get to work with someone closely. You spend, you know, two or three hours a coaching session could be, and you see them monthly, and we can really work out what are the barriers that are stopping you achieving X or Y, and, and what are the skills that we need to improve on, and, and you really get to help people um, and see results. Yeah. I love that. I love that phrase. I've just typed it out, actually, corporate athletes. I'm going to have to use that one. And staying with that theme. Yeah, it's fabulous, isn't it? Isn't it? But staying with that theme of corporate athletes, Anna, what parallels are there in executive coaching and sports coaching? Well, so it, it's interesting. I mean, um, there are some differences as well as some parallels and, and might be easy if I sort of start with those because a lot of when people think of a sports coach, you think of someone who teaches you who, you know, let's take football. You teach someone how to pass the ball. You teach someone how to take a free kick. You teach them how to dribble. Um, but actually the best coaches are the ones that, that don't necessarily tell they ask questions and they they help you to figure it out for yourself you know i know in in grassroots fa for, um in the fa at the moment they're 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 just getting young kids to spend time on the ball and figure out for themselves what happens when i touch it like this and when the ball moves here and when i kick it this way and they start to figure it out for themselves and so they give the the, the athlete the player empowerment to to figure it out and then and then they start to go oh that really makes sense and and they believe in it and then they're and then they're really more inclined to take it on board and and that's what happens in executive coaching we're not teaching people um to do anything we are merely facilitating them we're helping them to move towards a goal for example we're helping them to um 
to improve their performance, to create impact, whatever it might be. Um, but we're using really skillful questions. We're using certain models, um, coaching models, but it's not about teaching in the way that you might imagine a sports coach to teach. Um, so yeah, so those are some yeah. interesting parallels. That's great. Uh, Daryl, I know you and Anna have recently joined forces to offer executive coaching for newly hired executives. So can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, well, that's right, Ben. Um, I suppose at CNA, we like to try and be innovative in our, our thinking. Um, and it's becoming increasingly apparent in speaking with our network that, that there's a, a trend that has been emerging for companies to recruit, but then fail to retain that talent. Yeah. Um, so. So I suppose that that can be explained by hiring the wrong people um, in not truly identifying the right fit for, for the stakeholders or, or the culture during the attraction and, and selection phases, but also not, not fully supporting and engaging them when they join the business. So um, most recruiters do a, a sort of limited follow-up once the appointment has been made almost leaving it to luck as to whether that person succeeds from a recruitment perspective. Obviously, it's in, in the hands of the company, but the recruiter, they just, they, they, they leave and they've, they've done their job. Um, and did you know that changing job is actually one of the, the top three most challenging things we face in life? Yeah. So, so it's something that we kind of thought, actually, maybe, maybe there's, an opportunity to do something better as, as an industry um, and although I've personally never faced that issue uh, perhaps I'm just lucky um, I agreed to, to, to look at developing a concept of onboarding coaching for our appointed executives and, and try and address this challenge for the market um, then during the course of researching it um, I was also developing and hosting an event for the Institute of Directors um, to share some of the principles of high performance in elite sport with businesses. And through that, I was introduced to Anna, who, who agreed to, to be one of our inspirational uh, panelists for that event. Um, and from there, I could see that Anna's business beyond the barriers looked to be a great match for what I wanted to bring into our onboarding program. And um, as I felt we shared similar values, it looked like it could be a great partnership. So um, we sort of w worked together a little bit on it um, and could see the synergy. So, so we launched the service as a pilot a few weeks back, um, offering free onboarding coaching to all of the executives I hire for my clients. And, and I'm hoping that eventually we will roll that out across the CNA group in, in due course. Um, and uh, at CNA, we're, we're all over the world. So that's really exciting um, future proposition. But um, those, those appointed executives, they'll, they'll benefit from an exceptional coach who, who really understands how to deliver high performance, even in the toughest scenarios and, and against adversity. So that's the really exciting bit for me. Oh, definitely. Uh, because I've partnered with Anna and Beyond the Barriers, all of our coaches will have an elite sport background. They'll probably be Olympians themselves. I suppose from a recruitment perspective, clients might also like to know that we, we really believe in that coaching and, and we've extended our guarantees to match that. So that's just another benefit, I guess. Brilliant. But, but as a result, the, the talent that we're going to recruit for 
on, on behalf of our clients will will feel supported. Um, they'll be able to maximise impact and perform at the best. So we think who wouldn't want that? That's some great synergies there. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, I'll just add to that, you know, you know, coming from the, the world of sport, you know, the analogies I'm making always back to sport. And if you think, you know, so many people watch football, so I use that as an example. But if you think about the Premiership Football League, you know, the transfer season comes up and, and teams spend huge amounts of money bring in new players and then when they get those players in they invest more money in them to make them feel supported and and they you know they do an assessment with them and they go okay what what does this player need um do they need help from a physio have they got some injuries do they need you know work on conditioning strength and conditioning or is it nutrition and so they figure out what coaching can we give them what's extra support once they've arrived so that they've already got a brilliant player how can we make him even better and how can we help him to or her to you know make their life easier allow them to settle in and feel part of a team and and so that's where you know the great analogy is with the onboarding coaching that we're offering that coaching helps that individual to settle in quickly helping them to get the best out of themselves what is it that they can do in those first 100 days first 6 months how can they you know really maximize that investment um, that an organization has made by f- helping them to you know feel supported and when an employee feels supported then they're more likely to to give more to invest um, and you know that's great for a new employee to feel like their employer really cares about them that they matter and that loyalty um, from an organization will inspire loyalty from the individual and it inspires motivation um, so it's I think yeah why wouldn't someone want that um and in terms of the the kind of work that we would do with someone when they're onboarding it's if you think about it like like daryl said it's it's stressful um there could be some anxiety which would be perfectly normal you know it's a new job there's new people new roles responsibilities different culture and that can feel quite overwhelming um or it might be that someone's feeling excited and um, can't wait to get started. And so it'd be about channeling, channeling that excitement. And so it might be things about, you know, what's, you know, you're taking on stepping up into a new leadership role maybe. And, you know, what, we might work on what's, what's your leadership style? Um, what does it need to be? What do we need to, what's your current style like? What are the pros and cons of that? Is that effective in all situations? You know, really effective leaders will, be able to adapt as well to specific situations um, people. so we might work on that looking at how do they be a bit more flexible in their style how do they um, how do they create the right climate in a team because that's what is a big driver of performance yeah. or it might be looking at things like motivation their own motivation or how do I motivate a team understanding what are those internal motivators um, you know, it might be about confidence, someone who's stepping up and, and thinking, gosh, God, I'm, I'm pick, picking up a new role here. I'm going above what I've ever done before. And that imposter syndrome might kick in. So helping people to build their confidence and, and recognize what their strengths are. There's a whole range of things that might come up in onboarding coaching, which will help people to maximize their performance and their impact. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, it's interesting listening to, to you saying about some of that, Anna, and, and um, thinking about football, uh, professional football, it would be um, amazing to think of um, one of these super agents who um, 
brings in a brings in some top talent for for a for a Premier League team, and then follows that up with um, with paying for for the investment in their coaching for the next six months. Can you believe that? I could never see that happening. <laughs> yeah, but well, you know, but it, this is you know when you think about sport, the big topic in um, in sport and in business at the moment is something called growth mindset, and it's all about you know how can we improve um, you know whether that be you know there's been some brilliant work done by a lady called Professor Carol Dweck and she talks about the idea that when people who believe um who have what we call a growth mindset Mm -hmm. believe that no matter how exceptional they already are they can always improve through hard work and continuous learning and that's that principle from sport that you know we've brought in the best player already um but he can still be better she can still get better she can still improve and so that's why we're investing more because you know their potential is limitless um whereas someone with what we call what what carol dweck would have would call um a fixed mindset is someone who believes that their talents their capabilities are are fixed they're unchangeable um and then then you wouldn't bother doing coaching you wouldn't bother you know working on developing them giving them some training because there's no point because they're they are what they are mm. um so it you know mm. if we want to grow you've got to believe that people can grow and improve and that's what that's what growth mindset is and it's a bit really topical subject at the moment so i'm just thinking back to the question where we were talking about the ideal clients and and you were saying it's people who want to grow and people who want to learn does that on the flip side mean that you don't want people who have got the the mental blockers the mental barriers that say oh, this is as far as i've gotten and i won't be going any further well um it's not to say we wouldn't work with someone like that but you you would want to help them realize that actually no you have ta- you have an ability to grow you, this yeah. isn't it and helping to change that mindset that would be a great challenge is to go actually let's change let's help you how is that belief serving you that yeah. you know i'm fixed and that would be the first thing that I would work on. Why, why is that helpful to you to believe yeah. that? Um, and how can we start to, you know, what would be a more helpful belief? Because actually that's not really serving you very well. I yeah, suspect and, that that's and, pushing, a car, pushing a car uphill rather than starting with one where it's pointing downhill. And yeah, for sure. It's, it would be challenging, but we love a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but, you know, and you'd be surprised how many people who, who do think that, you know, who do have a fixed mindset and believe that, and not, you know, people will have a fixed and a growth mindset for different things. Um, but, you know, that's all, that's what coaching is. It's, it, you know, we work a lot on limiting beliefs. It's one of the biggest things that we do is, that's one of the biggest things that stops people from achieving high performance is a limiting belief mm. that, I can't do this. I'm not capable of doing this or, um, you know, I'm not good at, at X or Y and, um, and therefore I, I'm never going to achieve this goal. And so we work at what are those beliefs that you hold uh, about yourself? What are those beliefs that are preventing you from moving forward and, and what would be more helpful and to rewriting some of those beliefs? And, and the mindset is just one of those. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting when you talk about recruitment, um, you know, and Daryl can elaborate on this, but looking at, candidates who have a growth mindset you know those would be the people that an organization would want to bring in if you think about you know one of the big traits of someone with a growth mindset is someone who embraces challenge so you would turn up for the new job and you'd be looking to yes this is a big challenge it is a big step up but I'm excited about it yeah I want to embrace embrace this opportunity I want to step out of my comfort zone because that's what it's going to allow me to grow 
or you know the idea that one of another trait of someone with growth mindset is the idea that um, you have a really strong work ethic you realize that actually in order to improve and I believe I can improve I need to work hard it's as simple as that growth and an improvement comes from hard work and effort and constant and and we're constantly striving to be better every day constantly looking for learning opportunities um so you know brilliant why wouldn't you want look you know looking out for these kind of traits in a candidate someone who craves feedback because they see that as an opportunity to learn and grow yeah um on the recruitment and onboarding side of things, I think back to a book I read years ago, it's just a little thin, I think it was the one minute manager, one of those series, but um, there was a theory and I don't know how scientific it was, but a person starts in a new role and they are pumped and primed. They're ready to go. They've gone through the recruitment process. They've won the, the challenge. They're in the role and they're excited. And then I don't know, weeks or the first month or two into it, they realize, all that stuff that I know and I'm really good at, I can't use because I don't know who to speak to. I don't know where to find that file and what the history is on this particular account, whatever the deal may be. And so then they decrease in their energy uh, and the stress level rises, but then gradually it ramps slowly back up as they find their feet and know their place and they can work out what, what, what makes things tick and then really accelerate. And I imagine that the coaching process through that would assist yeah absolutely you know that's that whole thing you know one of the things we might start with when someone's onboarding is who are the key stakeholders who are the people that can help you to uh, affect change who are going to affect your success um who are, who's who can you influence and so working out who are those people that are going to help you what support are you going to get from them how can you build that relationship what do I need to do to build that relationship so yeah absolutely looking at all of that and it's just you know also just having that confidant someone when you particularly if you're in a really senior position sometimes it can be a little bit lonely and and you don't want to turn up and feel like oh gosh I you know I don't know who to ask this question to and I'm not quite sure about this but I don't want people to know that I'm not quite sure so having that sounding board of someone to be able to bounce ideas off and to figure out a plan you know I was I was working with someone or still am actually who moved over to Rotterdam to start um, a bit take on a new big leadership role and and she actually worked I started working with her before she moved because she wanted to hit the ground running and she wanted to she had to she was delivering this um, big transformational change program and she was thinking ahead about how am I going to make this happen? What, what are the, how can I, how am I going to get buy-in? So we did loads of work on what are the different ways that you're going to get buy-in? Um, what worked in the past for you? What have other, have you seen other leaders do? And, and we built a strategy and, and then thinking about who are the people that you need to influence? How are you going to motivate the team? And, and, and for her, it was about actually, it just needs someone to talk this through with because, you know, I, I, I'm new. I don't know who's in my team, you know, who's, who's, who's got my back right now. Um, and so I don't know who I can share all of this information with. And so I just need someone who's objective, um, and who I can trust. And that's, that's a brilliant role of a coach. Definitely. Guys, you've brilliantly come together and joined forces with this clever strategy, clever approach to offer to clients. Taking a, a marketing look at it, I have to think that's a great way that both businesses can grow and help clients. And for people listening, I highly encourage you to think in a partnership marketing approach. I know back in my consulting days when we're doing project works for large corporations, we actually teamed up with an environmental consultancy because obviously they didn't do what we did and we didn't do what they did, but there were synergies across different projects. So wherever you can find partnership opportunities, 
yes, you're helping your business grow, but equally you're offering a better service and helping your clients better. So I think this is great what you guys are doing. Anna, we've talked a bit about the growth mindset side of things in the consulting work, but I believe you and Daryl, you guys have got an event coming up for HR leaders. And I think that's at the British Olympic Association. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, they've got a fabulous office um, right in the centre of London. And it's, re- it's a really cool place, actually, because you walk in there and um, they've got Olympic torches from <laughs> you know, way back when people have donated Olympic gold medals. I think Cuff Granger's got uh, the rower. Um, it's got one of her medals in there. Wow. And yeah, loads of fabulous. Um, it's a really inspiring place. Loads of memorabilia. And yeah, so we're, ho- we're hosting an event there uh, in September, on September the 11th. And it's open to HR directors and and the, one of the well the main theme of the of the event is is growth mindset and I'm giving a presentation on that helping people to understand what it is what does it mean and particularly with a spin on on recruitment you know like the things I talked about earlier what does that what would you what might you look for in terms of um, growth mindset and and how can that help to help in an organization not just for that individual but the team as well if if a if a leader is is showing growth mindset for example they will allow people to to fail as long as they're learning from it because that's what we do we, we're going to fail it's life yeah um but we have to learn from it and so you know and that 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 um inspires high performance um because people aren't afraid to make mistakes and learn from them um so we'll be talking about that we'll also be um obviously talking about coaching and the power of coaching and we'll be doing some practical stuff so that people can actually experience what coaching is and and help solve some challenges that they might be facing yeah so we're we're really excited about it it's going to be a a really great event and inspiring venue who's it for hr directors hr directors okay cool and sorry uh 11th of september yes Great. And Daryl, turning back to you, I mean, I'm not letting you get away with anything here. <laughs> I need to hit you up on some information on the war for talent because I'm seeing it everywhere again. I think UK's hit full employment and that brings the, the war for talent concept to the fore again. Do you have any advice for winning in this executive space? Well, that's right, Ben. Um, although McKinsey coined that theory um, quite a long while ago now, businesses are, as you say, that because of the uh, employment rate, they are finding it increasingly hard to recruit for top talent. And uh, actually, thinking back, uh, there's a statistic about this. Um, uh, a recent Fortune 500 survey found 82% of executives don't feel they're hiring talented people. And I think that's probably because they're settling for second best. Um, or, or simply they're just not attracting the right caliber of individual to, to their business. So for me, I guess it's partly about differentiating the business. You know, wh- what is your employee value proposition, your EVP? Yep. Does it stand up to the market? Yeah. If you've got a compelling EVP, you've got half a chance. But then, of course, you've got to work with, with somebody who's um, able to take that EVP, um, take the role. Um, and, and run with the mandate and bring you the right talent. But, but our service, our new service, and that can help demonstrate a stronger EVP to candidates because the, the chance to work with an Olympian isn't something most people experience in their lifetime. So sure. I, I think that's a pretty powerful proposition for, for a business that wants to improve their EVP. Beyond, beyond that, though, uh, make sure you get your, the headhunter or, or recruiter that you work with um, is an exceptional and an open communicator as, as that's a pretty fundamental skill when managing and closing the process candidate side because if you, if you don't uh, most people what you experience is that 
offers are not going to be accepted. Mandates fail. And that leaves you with a big gap in your organization and an extra pressure for, for those left to cover it internally. Yeah. You're playing Russian roulette with your hiring if you don't get that right. I think um, partnering with, um, with your, your chosen headhunter, that's really Im- important in terms of the way that you want to engage with them. Um, really commit to the process. Um, and and f- for me, I think it's pretty simple. Um, years of experience tell me don't work with more than one recruiter it will devalue the process uh, and nobody in that process will end up getting the best service or the best results so I think that's that, that's really important to me sure. um, I only work like that I won't I won't work with with clients that don't see that um, because 16 years have told me that if you do anything other than that, you're likely to fail or you just don't get the best people. So, so that's a, that's a complete, um, no, no, from my perspective. So that's a rule that you have is that? Um, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's an indicator of success. Um, and if we take it back to sport, although you've got a team around you, perhaps, uh, as a, as an athlete, you'll, you'll have a coach and then you'll have a, a, a part of the team around you facilitating your training but you'll have a coach so look work with one person otherwise you're going to have different ideas and the process becomes unwieldy so i think you can apply that to to the thinking about recruitment as well the other thing i'm quite a big believer in emotional intelligence so in in life generally but but i think you've got to think about is your recruitment partner do they have do they demonstrate strong emotional intelligence and, and can they identify that in others because that alone can make a huge difference to the outcome. And then, as I said, I think I said earlier, um, don't settle for second best. If you don't think the candidate can do the role at hand, or or even worse, you you get a sense that they could jeopardize your culture and and, and that that of your teams, don't do it. Keep keep looking. Darrell, while we're on the topic of war for talent, what about any other challenges and changes that executives are facing and what advice do you have for them to manage these? I guess there's a, there's a number of things we could talk about. But for me, one of the common themes I see out there at the moment is the, the increase in remote working. Um, and I think that's only going to grow. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, and actually, it's the right thing. You know, giving people flexibility. I think that... The, the more we embrace that, the the, be- the stronger businesses will be. However, it does present a challenge uh, to to leaders and and to the people in their teams as well. Uh, it's going to mean change, change in uh, in process, change in technology, and and again, if if you can get a culture that embraces growth mindset, that's going to make that change easier. Um, <laughs> and going back to my previous comment about emotional intelligence that will also be a key factor in successfully implementing and sustaining um, remote work, successful remote working. Yeah, very good. Guys, we've pretty much reached the end of our time here. So let me firstly say it's been excellent, the conversation and the resources and advice you've shared. Is there anything else that you want to add? Uh, and then secondly, if people want to know more about you and your businesses and the event coming up, what should they do next? 
So maybe Anna, I'll turn to you. Yeah, if they want to find out more about Beyond the Barriers, then we're at www.beyondthebarriers.co.uk, um, or you can, you know, Google Anna Hemmings. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on social media, um, all the usual places you can find either Anna Hemmings or Beyond the Barriers, and uh, and we'll be in on all those social media channels and our LinkedIn pages, and we'll be. Uh, publicizing our, our event on the 11th of September at the BOA uh, next couple of weeks so look out for it brilliant and Daryl well like, likewise for me um, of course I'm I'm on LinkedIn I'm on social media Twitter and, and the like um, so um, look me up and um, drop me a line if I can help with anything I'd be very happy to to do so and to help anybody at all to answer any questions Sounds good. Uh, and for listeners, I'll be putting all the links uh, onto the show notes. So you, if you just go to the show notes page and you'll find all the links there and, and I'll put the details of the event on the 11th as well. Daryl and Anna, thank you very much for your time. I've really enjoyed it today. Pleasure. Thank you, Ben. That's great. Thanks, Ben. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.